Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We can't be selfish with what God may accomplish through our legacies. And we can't be selfish and hope that the ultimate redemption of how God takes even the bad things in our lives, the things that the enemy intended for evil, to bring about good for those who love him, because the ones who love him who benefit from our pain may not be in our generation. Are you willing to share the spoils of your own suffering such that you may not get credit or be known or remembered or even be alive when the benefit comes around as God redeems your suffering? There's more to this portion of the book of Joshua in the 18th chapter than just a bunch of land descriptions. As I've said in the last two devotions, they have names, and those names are people, and those people have stories. And this, I believe, is the long-coming redemption of a tragic moment in Genesis chapter 35, fulfilled in part here in Joshua chapter 18. The lot came up for the tribe of Benjamin's descendants by their clans, and their allotted territory lay between Judah's descendants and Joseph's descendants. Their border on the north side began at the Jordan, ascended to the slope of Jericho on the north, through the hill country westward, and ended at the wilderness around Beth-Avon. From there, the border went toward Luz, to the southern slope of Luz, that is Bethel. Okay, that's also first named in Genesis 35, actually in the verses immediately preceding what I'm going to show you. And then it went down by uh, Ataroth Adar over the hill country of lower Beth-Horon. On the west side, from the hill facing Beth Horon on the south, the border curved, turning southward, and ended at Kiriath Baal, that is Kiriath Jerim, a city of the descendants of Judah. This was on the west side of their border. I'm going to show all of this to you on a map because God's doing something with this. The south side began at the edge of Kiriath Jerim, and the border extended westward. It went into the spring at the waters of Neftoah. The border descended to the foothill that faces the, uh, Ben Hinnom Valley. Okay, this is uh, something I've spoken about in previous series. Uh, this is actually a, a place of pretty ill repute. It's part of the namesake for hell, actually. It's where we get the imagery of hellfire from. Uh, at the northern end of the Rephaim Valley, it ran down Hinnom Valley toward the south, uh, Jebusite Slope, and downward to Enrogel. It curved northward and went to En Shemesh and on to uh, Geliloth, sorry if I say that wrong, which is opposite the ascent of Adumim and continued down the stone of Bohan of Reuben. I'm going to show you this on the map and you'll see all, where all of this, how all this looks from heaven's view and it makes sense. Then it went north to the slope opposite the Araba and uh, proceeded into the plains. The border continued to the north slope of Beth Hogla and ended at the northern bay of the Dead Sea at the southern end of the Jordan. This was the southern border. The Jordan formed the border on the east side. This was the inheritance of Benjamin's descendants by their clans according to its surrounding borders. Now, Benjamin... When we studied Judges, we saw how it was a Benjaminite who would... Uh, Kind of in Judges chapter one, uh, or uh, we we start to see the, the 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 narrative shape how this Benjaminite is going to slaughter the first bad king in the book of Judges, and what's striking is that he would he would uh, he would he would do it with the hand you didn't expect. Benjamin means son of the right hand, but that was not originally going to be his name. Zoom way back in history now to see Genesis chapter 35, verse 16, 
they set out from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and her labor was difficult. During her difficult labor, the midwife said to her, don't be afraid for you have another son. With her last breath, for she was dying, she named him Ben-Onai. But his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Jacob set up a marker on her grave. It is the marker at Rachel's grave still today. Tragic moment as Rachel dies in childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin, the one for whom this allocation of the promised land is named. Now let me show you where this is. Here are the tribal allotments of Israel. There's the Sea of Galilee called Chinnereth, often in the book of Joshua. There's the Dead Sea, which we saw forms the southern border, and here it is right here. If you're watching this on allies.network, it's this yellowish-orangish portion right here. It cradles Jerusalem, which would be the future home for worship. This is Benjamin. And what's striking to me about that is that the name Benjamin stems from this tragedy. Rachel was dying in childbirth, and her very last breath gave him the name Ben-Onai, which means son of my sorrow. And I can, I can understand. I mean, wow, Rachel is, is distraught. And then his father steps in at the last moment and says, no, it's Benjamin. So in a way, he is honoring, at least in uh, monosyllabically, his dying wife's wishes but changing the direction and the trajectory of the legacy entirely. I see this, the establishment of this tribe of Benjamin, where Jerusalem was right at the border. I see this as redemptive because that's where God would set up operations. That's where eventually, after the book of 1 Samuel chapters uh, 4 through 9, uh, brings the Ark of the Covenant back, not to Shiloh, but now to Jerusalem, that's where the temple would be built by Solomon generations and generations later. That's where worship would be established. That's where Jesus would be crucified. And all of it would take place in this plot of land that was named for Benjamin. Indeed, the real son of sorrow would be the son of God, man of sorrows, as he's prophesied to be. This is redemption for a tragic moment that set the locale for the greatest miracle in the history of the universe, the death and then resurrection of Jesus. Salvation for everyone who is in Christ of every generation forevermore. But as Rachel lay there in agonizing, difficult birth, stricken with sorrow, she couldn't have fathomed what a great thing God would do through this son whom she was bearing and giving birth to. Don't be selfish with your own legacy because you may not be the beneficiary of everything that God accomplishes through you. Romans 8.28 is oft quoted and seldom fully appreciated. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You love God and, and you may be called according, you are called according to his purpose, but it may not be good for you in the meantime. It could be that what you are building is a legacy that will pass on to the next generation or the generation thereafter. You may not be alive when God fully redeems your pain, your suffering, your difficulty, your toil. 
Are you okay with that? Is Jesus enough for you? Is heaven enough for you? If we understand even a glimpse of heaven, stay tuned, next year we're going through the book of Revelation, then any suffering this world throws at us is more than enough. We can hang our hats on walks with Christ, a lifelong legacy, perhaps marked by suffering and trial and difficulty, and inherit glory with Him forevermore. That eclipses all of what Paul calls our light and momentary troubles. Be not selfish with your legacy. It very well could be that the beneficiaries of what God accomplishes through you are your kids, your grandkids, future generations of Christians. They might not even put your name on it, but at least they did for Benjamin. And I pray that Rachel is in heaven above, giving glory to God, as it was this son of hers, serves as the namesake for the place where the world was saved.